mindfulness mode. Ultimately, we're human beings on the same planet, and our, our future depends, I believe, whether that's 15 years or 50 or 150, on us recognizing that as a race. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here in Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe, check your underwear because we're talking to the underwear guy. (laughs) Uh, And I say that because he started an amazing company uh, where he he sold, he created and sold underwear. We'll talk all about that. The company was called uh, Naked. And, yeah. But he's done so much. He's, he's an entrepreneur at heart and he enjoys working with other entrepreneurs. And he's got a very, very mindful side that we're going to be talking about his mindfulness in his life. So I'm talking here today with Joel Primus. So Joel, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am so in mindfulness mode today. And I, I'm not always in mindfulness mode. So I, I, might, I must be channeling some of your energy because I'm feeling <laughs> really good today <laughs> that's good to hear yeah i just it, the sun is shining the you know it's just one of those days so awesome so joel what does mindfulness mean to you you know i think that uh because i used to be an elite runner and as an elite runner i was just delved into visualization and i would i would think about my goals and i would I would spend hours visualizing every nuance of a race that I had to run. And, and so in the beginning, mindfulness, mindfulness was very one directional for me. It was very goal oriented and I was always in constant thought. Unbeknownst to me at the time, when I would go on these beautiful long runs, because I, I used to run hundreds of kilometers a week for your Canadian followers, 70 to 80 miles a week for your, <laughs> for your American ones. Yeah. Um, and I would get lost in this beautiful sort of empty state. But at that time, I had no idea what that was. And as my life progressed, and I'll kind of jump to, to net today, and then we can kind of fill in the gaps, is the tail end of my journey of Naked, because that's a company that went from started in a, in a garage basement kitchen table to NASDAQ to, to New York to selling, divesting it. And, um, and by the end, I was depressed. I was anxious. I hated myself. Um, I, I had no enjoyment for life. I, I was envious of every single person I knew um, in a terrible, disgusting, sick way inside me that felt that way. Um, and then I was invited by my cousin to go back into our our wilderness cabin way up north in British Columbia. And it was the middle of winter. And so it was minus 40 Celsius and we, we snowmobiled and then we snowshoed and we get to this cabin that is literally miles from anywhere. And it's dead silent. And all of a sudden, I reconnected with that feeling back from when I was a runner, but this time I experienced it in a far different way in, um, in a way where I actually was able to engage with that emptiness, engage with that sense of calm that filled my body. And then I, I, I guess as soon as we left, I was like, I have to do that again. And so the spring we went back to the same cabin and 
Um, obviously the snow is gone, so there's a different energy, but we were sitting in this, this meadow that's outside of the cabin and it's a giant meadow and there's beautiful mountains all around it. And there's, there's a river, but you can't see it. And we were sitting there for hours. I, I absolutely hours. And the first hour, you know, the mind's crazy. The mind is all the thoughts, the emails I didn't get to before I left on the trip. The, the, the things that I was worried about that people would feel like I was skipping out on them because I was out in the bush and different things like that. And then the next hour, everything quieted. But this time something different happened. I started to notice the patterns of nature. There was this, so there's the river and you can hear the sound of the river. And every five minutes or so, I'd hear this stick bounce into the river like a splash like as if an animal was walking in but it wasn't it was just a tree that was bouncing in every five minutes or so and every five or six minutes this the wind would would brush through this one area and you just hear it and all of a sudden i could see the ants and the birds and all these things i wasn't noticing all came alive in this unbelievable rhythmic pattern of nature and of life through that clarity. And that was the moment that I realized that this is where I want my life to be focused as much as I can, knowing I'm a human being that is dealing with my karma and my dharma and all these different things that I have to go through. So to answer the question specifically, and I know that was a long way round, is mindfulness to me is when we can empty our minds and empty ourselves and become engaged with the, the nature and the life around us and feel connected to it, feel safe in it, feel a part of it, feel, feel trust in all of that process. Um, and so that's, I, I guess that's what it's evolved to. And I'm, I'm sure as I go through life, there'll be other iterations of what mindfulness means to me, but that's where I'm at today. And that's why I left New York and I left Vancouver and I now live on a farm in the country. It just, it's literally transformed everything for me is, is those, those two rewilding moments I had in, in and around some of my darkest hours. Wow. Wow, so so incredible this journey that you've been on and I want to move back in that journey and find out how did you get involved in underwear and selling <laughs> underwear? How did you land there and how old were you at that time? So I um oh God, I I actually don't remember. I it was either 22 or 23. Yeah. Um that's I guess there's a certain point after 30 where all those ages start to <laughs> to blur together. Yeah. So um so I, as I mentioned, I had been a runner and I had had, uh, I had a full ride scholarship to North Carolina, a, a university in North Carolina. I just qualified for the world, uh, world cross country championships. And I was again on this singular path and then I blew up my Achilles and I, uh, it wasn't in that moment because everything heals. So I did heal from that, but that became the beginning, the unraveling of my running career. That was the opening, call it the universe or whoever gave me because I wasn't actually happy as a runner. We can, we can talk about that maybe later and, and why that was the case, but. To, Did you to, think you were? For a time. 
I thought I was happy as a runner because I was good at being a runner. Uh. I was really good. And so it gave me a sense of purpose. It gave me a sense of identity. It gave me a feedback loop of my value with other people, mm-hmm. um, especially my parents, um, specifically my mother. And I, and I will be open about that because she has obviously been on her journey of mindfulness and awareness. And so she knows that she was living her own insecurities and, and dreams of the past through my success as a runner. Mm-hmm. You know, we can talk openly about that now, but that, that wasn't talked about then. So I, I had essentially through my running decided that I was only good, lovable, important, worthwhile as a human being if I was successful. And so in the sense of that, yeah, I had some happiness because I was successful. And then, yes, I had some happiness because of those beautiful long runs where I would be out in nature and I'd be just in my body and in, and in all of it. And then I would have nights where I, as a, as a teenage boy, I was crying myself to sleep because I was so exhausted from the, the toll mentally and physically, or I was so scared of this competitor that I had to face. Mm. And so, and I didn't believe I had a choice to set myself free. Um, and many things in our life can be all those things, but when you don't understand why or where, and you feel trapped, um, you know, again, I, 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 this is not to throw my mother under the bus at all. She's an incredible woman and we've grown together. Um, but there was a moment where I was terrified before a race and I was, it was one or two o'clock in the morning and I couldn't fall asleep as we all have had those experiences. We've been there. Right. Right. And I'm crying and I'm telling her, I don't want to do this. Don't want to run this race. Maybe I'll run another race, but for whatever reason, I don't want to run this one. Um, And all I needed to hear was that you don't have to. It's okay. Tomorrow we'll go for a hike. We'll go do something else. We'll get out of Dodge. But I never heard that. And so I realized in a lot of my self-work throughout the years that that was one of the pivotal moments where I realized that my life was, or my, excuse me, my value was attached to something else and I couldn't just be. So we've, we've digressed, but where, where that went. So the Achilles snaps, I am without purpose. I am scared. So I decided to hitchhike across the country. I end up in Thailand. I fall in love with traveling. I want to do this. It's, it's so far from it. anything I ever did. I partied. I did all kinds. I did drugs. I did all, anything that was anti-running, right? Like that was my um, anti-good boy, Joel, like this thing. Um, and so it, long, long story short, so we can, we can wrap that up, is I decided to make a film. I was in Peru. I needed underwear. I ate my, all my underwear had holes in it by that point in the journey. And I bought some from a street vendor and I was like, wow, that is like unbelievably soft. But then I hiked up Machu Picchu and I'm like, oh, that doesn't perform at all. So then the idea divinely lands in my mind that, that I should take the best of the technical running fabrics that I've been so used to and these new soft things and make a pair of underwear that felt so good. You couldn't feel it when you wore it. 
and that's how Naked was born. <laughs> ah. ah. No, no background, no experience, went home and tried to make, make my prototypes and and had you ever sewn before or had an interest in clothing before or anything like that? No, no, I, um, well, I still never sewing for the record, <laughs> but, yeah. um, the, uh, I, I wore hand-me-downs my whole life. Like clothing was like, you know, not <laughs> a thing to me. Um, so again, it was like this, this, what this incredible new journey and every iota of my running focus and energy then and switched to making this underwear company successful. And insecurity, because that's really what it, what it was at the time, right? Creativity, absolutely, determination, but determination fueled by insecurity, fueled by a sense of lack, can lead us to incredible heights. It can take us to the top of the mountain. Look at Look at Michael Jordan. Look at what he did on, you know, if, you ever, if anyone watched The Last Dance and they talk about his insecurity and these stories he would develop in his mind to create a case to crush his opponents over and over and over again. Right. And I think that our youth is, that's important. This is a part of our journey as, as, as when we're young to, to, to see if what we can conquer because we don't feel whole necessarily. Um, for some of us, there's a whole subset of the population who feels totally fine. And they're the ones who are just chilling and going through life. But, um, so that just gave me unbelievable amounts of energy until it didn't, until the, the, the well was dry of that motivation. So what was your first taste of success with Naked? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that there's, there's, we're always kind of like in the, the little wins along the way as entrepreneurs. I think that one of the beautiful things I, I see about entrepreneurs for the most part is that they really can get motivated by the littlest thing. But look what I, I closed a check today. And so you could say that the first time I closed a $25,000 investment check, you know, which later years later I was getting million dollar checks. Mm -hmm. So, but they felt the same, right? They felt both, they both felt like wins. In fact, maybe the $25,000 check felt like a hundred times more gold because it was the first one mm -hmm. or it was the it was the time that we went on dragon's den which you would know for your american audience that shark's tank yeah um just being there in we got roasted i was called delusional like we got torched on the show and you were talking about underwear on the show yeah i was yeah. i was wearing the nakeds and nothing else on oh, the show cool what so, year was that do you remember yeah that would have been oh nine that would have been oh nine Oh, nine. Okay. And why did, why did they roast you that way? Preparation. Excuse me. Oh, you weren't um, prepared. I was, not, I was not prepared. I was so naive and I was so brash in my, my confidence that the idea alone was worth something. And it, and it was, but I had no concept of financials valuation. I had no concept of a competitive analysis process, you know, why and how we were going to capture market share. I had no idea about anything. Right. And it's, it's the beauty of young entrepreneurship and, and sort of the basis of a lot of my book is that that unknown 
what we, you know the expression if you knew now what you, you know yes. then or vice yeah. versa would, yeah, would you still yeah. do it that naivete allows us to be fearless in attacking these things and as we get older that shifts from you know sort of this sort of young heroistic energy where I'm going to go into the world, but I don't know what my villain is. I don't know what I have to face. So I'm unafraid to that warrior who they still go out into the world to face it, but they know what the stakes are. They know what they have to battle, right? So, so that's really like, that's, I didn't know going on to dragons and I just went. So that was a big moment getting Holt Renfrew, which is like the Neiman Marcus of Canada. That was those were some really special moments in those first couple of years. Well, I bet Kevin gave you a particularly hard time. Am I right? Oh, both times. We went on twice. Oh, you went on twice. He, he um, he was he was in his right. He was well within his rights. But it was Brett who called me delusional. Okay. The second time, Kevin called me a greedy pig. And, a greedy uh, pig. Because I didn't take his offer. <laughs> but you showed them didn't you for a time yeah <laughs> for a time naked naked had its ups and downs right it had unbelievable highs and it had unbelievable lows and yeah and you know depending on where you were in the cycle you, you might have had an incredible experience with the company or you might not have right it, it kind of lived every every aspect of an entrepreneurial startup journey and when did you sell the company 2018 18 so not yeah. so long ago no no the wounds are still fresh <laughs> yeah and so you came to this point where you were not happy you were depressed you were discouraged was what year was that was that like close to 2018 or when was that yeah i i mean it was it 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 started as, it, as many things do when we open, right? Like when we start to open, like I always say that things like anxiety and things like depression are gateways, yes. right? They're not, they're not sicknesses. They are, and they sometimes suck or off, often suck. Almost always, yeah, but yeah, they have but a purpose. They have a purpose. They are, they are signals. They are yeah. signals to us that maybe we need rest, that maybe something in our environment is not right. Mm -hmm. So when those started, I, it was when I first moved to New York. But at that point, I did not have the self-awareness as to what was happening. And so the identity challenge that I was faced with was an entirely new environment. I was no longer the CEO of the company. Um, I'd given up willingly the CEO ship to this incredible person who was who, who worked tireless, tirelessly and, and was, was, for the most part, fairly gentle with me, contrary to what you might think about New York mentalities. Yeah. Um, but I started to feel like an imposter in this world. We had Armani exchange, or our, excuse me, Armani executives. We had Brooks Brothers and Ralph Lauren executives. We had directors or people on our board of directors who were from Calvin Klein and the person who was the CEO, she had a $150 million company. And I'm like, what on earth do these people need me for? And so it's like, that's where the shift started to happen, where I started to feel out of place. And then when it sold, 
the thing that I didn't have was naked. And, and so the crutch that had filled, we tied the journey together here, the crutch that had filled the running had been taken. Mm-hmm. So here I am again, 10 years later, whatever it was, um, yeah, it was about 10 years, in the exact same spot. Um, but this time bec- there's anxiety, this time there's depression, this time I have children, this time I have responsibility in a much bigger way. So I have to face this very differently than I did. I can't just run away to Thailand and hitchhike across the country, you know, and yeah. not that running away is a bad thing, but um, in, in that sense, if you're, if you just need some change to inspire new things inside yourself, but you know, the, the, the age old, wherever you go, there you are, you're still going to have to deal whether you're in Thailand or back in your own home. Right. So, um, so I had, that's where the moment came where I'm faced with whatever this is that's causing this for me to feel that the thing is to feel unworthy without naked, running, you insert whatever, right? That's where I need to go now. That's, that's, that's the new journey. And that became where the, the real work for me began inside not outside. Obviously I started other companies. I, I, I did a film. There were still things happening, but simultaneously there was this deep inner exploration battle, if you will. You know, there's a great story. It's in the Bhagavad Gita. I always had a tough time saying that where Arjuna, who's, who's one of the main people in, in, in this book, um, he's at this battlefield and at this battlefield he has he looks across at his enemies and he says i can't i i cannot fight these people these are known these are known people to me i i do not want to fight my friends and so he goes and he lays down his arms and then he is taught the lesson by god effectively that no, 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 no. Those aren't your friends. That's your pain. That's your insecurity. That's your fear. That's your anger. That's your rage. But those things are all known to us because because we live with them and we can become comfortable in them. We can become comfortable in our rage. We can become comfortable in our, in our sad stories, right? And so... The point is you do have to do battle with those things to free yourself, to become whatever it is that you're going to come become over and over again in your life. And so, but it's, as I always say, it's an incredibly inconvenient battle to fight because it takes away the familiar and we jump into the void of the unknown And then we have to trust, we have to let go, we have to do all these things that are contrary to our survival nature, that are contrary to all the concepts we learned growing up, you know, about stability and about you need to do this, 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 this. And so it's, it's, but when you do it on the other side of it is all the success. And I define that being, yes, you, you do free yourself for financial success because often you are the thing holding yourself back from a lot of upward potential, but you also free yourself 
to love yourself more and to more importantly, maybe, or at least equally love others more. And so that's where, that's where the things, the, the life shifts. And I'm some, I mean, that's, that's the journey of a life. So we're all still somewhere in that battlefield most of the time. Right. And then there's glimpses like in the bush, like I said at the beginning with the first story I shared. So, so anyway, yeah. So that's, that's where, that's where it went after that. And, and that's kind of where I am today. So what was one of the first tools you used when you began on that self-preservation journey and you knew that you had to do something to, to become a happy person? Well, that, so to, to the, to the whole point of your show, it's mindfulness meditation, right? Versus law of attraction meditation or, uh, like I had been doing as a runner, it was more about recapturing stillness uh, through mindfulness uh, than it was about seeking, always seeking, right? So I was trying to find more presence. That was one of the first things um, I did. Spending more time in nature um, was another big thing I did. Trying to be a more present father and trying to embrace the ceremony of life. So what I mean by that is I don't think you need to sit cross-legged with your eyes closed and have frequencies or silence or a guided meditation to meditate, to, excuse me, sorry, to be, to be in that flow and to feel mindful and present when you start to look at all of life like playing with your kids or like gardening or even exercise or even when you're in the creative flow of some work project when you start to look at these all as sort of things to celebrate things to enjoy things that are part of the entire ceremony of life versus this is my ceremony meditation insert like insert meditation insert um uh, a shamanic journey, insert whatever, looking at the totality of your life as that and, and trying to find the enjoyment. Because I was, for me as a runner and then for me as an entrepreneur and businessman, it was always what's next, not what's now, right? So I tried to practice engaging and celebrating the present and finding if I could be mindful there as well. Wow. Joel, your documentary is about educating children to become citizens of the world. Tell us more about your, your documentary and where we can find it, what it's called, and, and a little bit about the, the documentary itself. Sure. Yeah. So the, the documentary was, was picking up from that original, I guess you'd call it failed, attempt to make a film about traveling where I found the underwear 10 years prior. But this time I had kids. And what had happened was there was sort of a, a, a whole storm of, of things. They had, it was 2016 when my wife and I decided to do it. And they called that year in the media, the year of fear. And there was nationalistic movements, sweeping nations. There was presidents being elected that, you know, were inciting not necessarily good things. They weren't uniting. They were dividing, right? They were, they were doubling down on 
their base versus trying to unite a nation. And he said, like, what's the one thing we can do and everybody can do to celebrate, to not, sorry, not to celebrate, to, to have a more global perspective and see the world hopefully through the lens of love and through the lens of how connected and similar we all are versus how different. And the answer we came up with was travel. Mm-hmm. Travel is the gift that shows us that we all cry, we all laugh, and we might have slightly different political views or drastically different, and we might have different traditions that inform those political views. But ultimately, we're human beings on the same planet, and our, our future depends, I believe, whether that's 15 years or 50 or 150, on us recognizing that as a race, as a human race and still celebrating those differences. We're not, so we don't all have to be exactly the same. And so the, the, I guess it was a call to, because my kids were pretty young, and we went to Lebanon, you know, where most people just think it's at war all the time. And we went to um, Argentina, and we went to Vietnam, and we went to the Yukon, and we tried to show as much as my, my budget would allow, which was my own savings, um, as, as much of the world as we could through this. With the, with the singular goal of inspiring families to trade in one vacation a year or one vacation every five years, whatever it is, for a, for a country off the beaten path that's going to challenge them. So it's the same price to go to Disneyland for most people. Just, you know, you're spending obscene amounts of money to go to Disneyland. And some people go every year. Trade one for Vietnam, trade one for uh, Jordan, trade one for Peru, trade one for a place that's gonna gonna open your eyes and challenge you and bring you together as a family, but also just inspire something about the world. And if you don't like it, it's all good. Don't have to do it again. But if we can get you to trade one, we think we've done our job because we think that it it will really help people see things differently and and so the film's just gone through the film festival circuit and it's where we're actually deciding um whether or not we're going to release it as a film or we're going to cut it up into a web series because the film's an hour and 18 minutes and there's nearly 80 hours of footage and so we feel like we're missing something we just put out the film so I'm trying to be open and flexible because I am like hell bent on a film. <laughs> and what's the name of it? Raising Global Citizens. Raising Global Citizens. And you also have a book you've been working on, which we just kind of touched on, Getting Naked, The Bears yeah. Necessities of Entrepreneurship and Startups. And I know yeah. that book is coming out in January 2021. Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the book. Of course, Bruce. Um, so the book follows the journey of Naked as a startup company. So there's, there's a story woven through what I call a book of arrows, if you will, pointing first-time, second-time entrepreneurs specifically at all the questions I wish I had known to ask as an entrepreneur. And so it's not necessarily a book of answers as much as it's a book of questions that get you no thinking about the things that I didn't and therefore 
caused me many mistakes, cost me much money, <laughs> um, cost me many gray hairs. And you'll still have to fight all those things as you go, but at least you'll have some, some, some mind for those things. But ultimately, the idea of the book, which follows my journey and, and the reason for the title, Getting Naked, is that entrepreneurship is the path of life of, that you've, excuse me, that you've chosen in your life. You want to start businesses. That's what you're going to do. But, but that the journey is actually an inward journey to your true authentic self. And, and so the idea is at the end of it, you know, how in, in your choice as an entrepreneur, do you find your way or if you've, you've already found that by keep your way, um, being true to who you are in this process and find balance and find happiness, as I said, in its holistic sense, not just via an exit of your company, not just via raising millions of dollars and, you know, going to Vegas and living that high life. So that's, that's, that's the idea of it in, in its totality. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading the book. And I, I expect by the time this episode publishes, that book will be available. So check it out on Amazon, Getting Naked, The Bare Necessities of Entrepreneurship and Startups. Now, Joel, I want to move forward and ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a mindfulness influence in your life? Uh J, uh, celebrity or real person doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, no. Uh, well, I mean, Tim Ferriss is great if you want to follow uh, another um, great podcast host who's really had an interesting journey. Jason Gordon, uh, he's a doctor of Chinese medicine. He's a dear friend, and he lives in Miami. And his company is called Alchemy Courtyard, and he has transformed my life more times than I can count. Wow. Alchemy Courtyard. Is that yes. what you said? Yeah. I believe that's his company. Yes. And he's got a book called The Finger Pointing to the Moon. Um, and it's a fantastic book. About and his all. name once again? Jason Gordon. Right. Perfect. I'll put that in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. Now, the second question, Joel, is this. How, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Oh, I mean... 30 seconds, Joel. Uh, mindfulness, I believe, gives us the freedom. So we always have the choice to love and hate. React, not react. I believe that mindfulness gives us the space to make that choice. And so in many, most cases, it gives me the moment of pause I need to not react as much as I maybe otherwise would. Okay. Tell us about breathing and how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. We touched on this a little bit, I think, but let's, let's just sum it up. Yeah, it's, it is, it is the tool. It is the tool that allows our mind to calm. I am not a fancy breather. I do write some blogs about, you know, there's Wim Hof and there's this and there's that. And there's some really great techniques out there for falling asleep. There's box breathing, etc. But I'm pretty old school. If I just put all my focus on the breath coming into my nose and focus on nothing more than the, than the sensation of that feeling, once, twice, three times, I feel a million times better. And is there a book you could recommend that's related to mindfulness? Uh, Awareness, Anthony DeMello is a great book. Um, that's my 
It's my go-to. Yeah. yeah I, I, I guess Sam Harris too is, is very focused on mindfulness. Um, so yes. anything he's done on that topic here, <laughs> he has other topics that might not suit everyone, but his mindfulness is, is great. Yeah. And can you share an app which can help in some way with mindfulness? Yeah. So again, Sam Harris's app, Waking Up, is very different. Um, and his course, he has a full course. And I think it would, from what you might expect, it's very different. And I would totally recommend it. Kevin Rose's Oak is pretty good, too. Um, so there's there's two. Okay, so we'll put all that in the show notes, mindfulnessmode.com. Joel, it is fascinating talking to you. And like I said, I can't wait to read your book, uh, Getting Naked. So I'm looking forward to that. And I haven't seen your documentary either. So I'm hoping I can see that, you know, however. It's not really available, is it, at this point for the public? It's it's not yet. It's not fully yeah. finished. Uh, as we're talking, it still needs to be colored and the audio is still a little bit rough. So right. we have to... We need the background, you know, all that stuff. So we just have to smooth. And so when it is available, where would we go to find it? So either either joelprimus.com has everything from my blogs to my businesses to my services. But raisingglobalcitizens.com has also been specific to the film itself. Okay. So J-O-E-L and then P-R-I-M. U.S. As easy as that. JoelPrimus.com. Joel, it's been fascinating talking to you. I really appreciate you sharing some of these parts of your journey that maybe you haven't talked about as much before. And it's really interesting. So thanks a lot being on for being on Mindfulness Mode today, Joel. I'm very, I'm very grateful for you giving me the chance to share and be part of this with you. So My pleasure. You. All the best to you. Bye now. Bye. Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening, for subscribing, and for reviewing the show, and for telling your friends about Mindfulness Mode. Thanks also to Erica Flint's Cascade Hypnosis Center for being our valued sponsor. Erica is a terrific teacher of hypnosis, and I know that because I am a graduate of her program. Now, if you're a healer, a coach, a therapist, a counselor, or just someone who loves helping people. You might want to consider the powerful results that can be achieved with hypnosis. You can learn how to do it. Contact the team over at CascadeHypnosisCenter.com and take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.